by the Bank of Sun Prairie. Downloadable audio episodes can be found in the podcast link found at drawincustomers.com. Today we are welcoming slash preparing to learn from Alexander Cruz, partner of CR of Maryland, who's in the real estate business, which let's break it down here really quick. You can make money in the real estate business is what it comes down to, right? Hopefully, I guess we'll check with Alexander to make sure. So Alexander, how is it going today? It's going really well, man. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. I put some pressure on you to help you teach people how to make some money <laughs> in real estate. Hopefully, I did okay there. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do my best. No, no promises. <laughs> all, right, all right. Well, let's start. Yeah. Let's just start with what is CR of Maryland. Sure. So CR of Maryland is a locally owned and operated investment company in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, our primary business is the sale and then ma- property management of turnkey rental properties. Um, but outside of that, we do all the classic kind of single family real estate activities. So we also do some fix and flip. We do our own buy and holds that we don't sell. Um, and then uh, wholesale as well. Um, formerly used to have a retail team, do not have a retail team anymore. Um, and right now we're about 32 employees company-wide. All right. Well, let's, let's work backwards here. No retail real estate. Can you tell us why? Um, I mean, I have some assumptions, but I'm going to let you tell us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm very, uh, transparent. So, uh, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. So for the, the income that it produced required a a ton of hands-on activity and process and, personnel. Um, so it, in, in the COVID year, we were kind of going through some restructure stuff anyway, and it just made sense that, you know, we were, we're going to close that arm down. All right. And just so the people watching understand the retail side is just a typical real estate agent, buyer's agent, seller's agent. Exactly. Uh, so turn the lights on, tell you where the kitchen is kind of thing. Yep. So it's a, the classic, uh, realtor model, um, and why it made sense was because we have a lot of home sellers call us that have a house to sell that maybe we can't buy it and the house is beautiful. Why would we buy it? That's a, that's a listing opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so the theory was to be able to capture those opportunities, which it did work. Um, but at the end of the day, we could also refer that lead to an agent who's not on our team, but that we work you know somewhat closely with. And mm-hmm. now I have no overhead and I have, nothing to do. It's just a handoff and we'll get a referral fee a few months later. Gotcha. Um, so that made more sense for us. All right. So the, the employees that you have talking about them, you had a small army, it sounds like, are they mostly in the real estate industry as far as white color behind a desk, buying, selling, finding deals, or are they fixing, swinging hammers, stuff like that? Or uh, a little bit of everything. Yeah. So uh, just kind of going through the business, we have an acquisition and sales team. And that is kind of like you said, very much making deals, buying and selling, uh, meeting with sellers or participating in auctions, whatever the day brings. Um, and then from there, we have our construction team of project managers who oversee our renovations from start to finish um, and deal with quality control and budgeting and all that fun stuff. Um, then we have our property management team and kind of self-explanatory, they manage uh, the 460 plus 
rental properties that we now manage uh, fall under their domain and they'll manage it from A to Z. Uh, and then last but not least, we have a three-person accounting team and they they oversee all the bills, all the money in, all the money out, TNLs, all that fun stuff. All right. And I yeah. get what's interesting is I was poking around at your website and I loved how simple it was for both a person that was interested in investing, kind of getting involved that way, as well as for the tenants. It's like pay your rent here. Hey, I got a yeah. problem, all that kind of stuff. So I know we're bouncing around here, but that was such a cool, I don't, it was such a u- useful website. I mean, it looks oh, good thank too. You. But yeah, it's awesome. I, thank you. I mean, I've talked with a lot of people that are in the real estate industry and we answer phones for people that are in the property management side. And some of them, I mean, I don't, maybe it's a pain intentional because they don't want people to call them with property management <laughs> issues. But it's interesting Definitely. how you guys set that up. And I, I imagine that wasn't like, hey, let's start a business, get this website going, that there was a learning curve involved in getting that put together. Yeah, I, mean, I think um, honestly still on a learning curve. Um, I've been here for eight years. I've been in real estate for 10. Um, and eight years ago, it was myself and the founder and one other project manager. So we were a company of three. All um, right. And we were to grow that to where we are today. And it changed a lot along the way. We we were really heavy on fix and flip in the beginning, and that was like all that we did. Then um, we ran really heavy into uh, rentals. We built a pretty sizable portfolio of rental properties here um, that we then uh, began to sell. And that's kind of what we got, got us into the turnkey space. Um, so then the focus became selling the turnkey properties. Um, and of course, had to figure out property management on the way. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have a, I think the property management team is probably 12 ish people could be a little bit more. Um, and when we first started, I mean, I was out showing like our first rental property. I was, I was leasing out, I, <laughs> I was collecting money. I mean, we had like a whiteboard on the wall it was like our whole system for like the first <laughs> two or three properties. Sure. Uh, then we're like, Oh, wait a second, this isn't going to work. Um, so yeah, yeah it's a constant evolution. Right. What got you here won't get you there kind of thing, because not everything scales. Yeah. Whiteboards included. (laughs) The whiteboards are great, but yeah, they unfortunately, we do still have some around the office, but uh, not. Oh, it's just limitation. I imagine if you're keeping track of 10, 20 properties, whatever. Sure. Great. great. When you got hundreds. Yeah. Now you got got a mess. And if somebody backs up their shirt against that thing, now you got a problem. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Who owes us rent? So tell me about the the turnkey stuff. So you're talking about turnkey rental units? Are you talking individuals or like eight plex, twelve plex kind of thing? Uh no, they all they're all single family individual. In our market, they're townhomes. We call them bro homes here. Um, oh yeah, so are, East Coast yeah. stuff. Sure. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, DC, Baltimore, Philly, New York all have a lot of these similar style brick row homes from the early to mid 1900s. Um, and that's what our bread and butter is because they're a great structure. But when we buy them, they're typically old and beat up, um, which is great because it's kind of like a blank slate. We can just strip the whole thing down and rebuild it back. Um, and that's really what our primary focus is. Um, and it's a differentiator. A lot of turnkey uh, operators in the world, and it's not a knock, it's just a different business model. Um, they're looking for something they can do a really light rehab to paint carpet appliances and and move on. 
um, really not looking for that. And it doesn't work that well in our market anyway, because they are older houses. Um, so I prefer something that we can rebuild back to a really high standard and know that there's nothing old on it. There's no deferred maintenance here. Um, All right. So that's so where you, our model is. Are you getting to the point where you're taking down walls and stuff like that? Or yeah, lead abatement gets involved there, maybe some asbestos, because these things are hundreds yeah. of old, right? All, all of the fun stuff. I, we actually now, and for about a year, have gotten really good at building back what we call a shell. So th this is a brick structure, has brick walls, but obviously the roof is, you know, framing. Um, if you have a property that was abandoned and for many years fell into disrepair, the roof is leaking, leaking, leaking. Eventually that roof gives way. Now the floor joists start to give way. Um, so you literally have to strip that house down to a shell. Brick walls are the only thing left and then rebuild it back. So uh, we're, we're able to do that now and, and do it very efficiently. It's definitely wow. a learning curve there, um, but it's credit to my construction team. I mean, they, they're the guys that figured it out and now they have it down to a science. Oh, is that, so when you say something like that, where they have, where they're that bad and probably mm -hmm. the East Coast isn't exactly the cheapest. So I can't imagine people are walking away from that many. Are you seeing enough of enough properties to actually make a living on that? Yeah, well, the the shell example is probably one out of fifteen to twenty. It's not like we're doing that every single time. That still seems um, like a lot to me because that's yeah. No, there's well, uh, both things. There is a fair amount of opportunity. There's a lot of competition. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, pretty much every house we buy, we're competing with other investors on it just All right. part of the nature of the beast. Um, but it's an older market. There are a lot of older houses. You know, it, it's a middle-class economy for the most part. Um, you know, there's less of these beat up old houses in DC because there's so much more money in DC. Just mm -hmm. the reality of the, the different markets, but that's why Baltimore is much more affordable. So, um, you know, take the good with the bad. All right. So when you first joined the founder, you joined him essentially as a, just a typical real estate agent or what was your role originally? Yeah. Um, for all intents and purposes, yes. A real estate agent to help the company acquire homes and then sell them, you know, when we were done renovating them. Um, so that was my initial role was just making offers, walking houses, and then seeing the sale all the way through, you know, once the renovation was complete. Um, so that, that's how it started. And then it just evolved, I suppose. It did continue to evolve from there. Um, we, uh, Craig is his name. Uh, we still to this day have a great relationship. We're, we have a lot of similarities. Our biggest difference, uh, respectfully, was age. Um, so Craig was an experienced business person when I met him. I, on the other hand, was maybe not a rookie, but in year two <laughs> or three. Um, <laughs> okay. But, so but I was good because... I didn't really have any bad habits and I was, and I, at this point, you know, I was single, I had a dog, had a dog and uh, no kids. Um, so I could spend all my time. Like I was working six, seven days a week and I loved it. And I still love it to this day. Um, but I was, I put in that grind, especially in the beginning um, and wore a lot of different hats at oversell renovations at different times, um, hiring people, firing people, like, basically everything around running the business at some point I did along the way, All um, right. which was a great experience and part of why we were able to end up where we are now. 
Sure. So when you first started with the founder, was the plan to end up where you are now? Or did that evolve did. as the opportunities came and went? Exactly. We we didn't even know what turnkey was until I think 2019. Oh, okay. um, didn't even realize, like had no idea that it was like this big market nationwide. Uh, like we didn't even know. Uh, right. So yeah, it definitely evolved. And we realized though, you know, as we learned, as we did our own rentals, and then as we got introduced to turnkey, we're like, wait a minute, this works really well here. Like our numbers just line up great. This is a great model for us. Um, so, you know, we can provide a high quality product with all the benefits of property ownership and cash flow to investors. And oh, by the way, we can grow our business. Like as we manage more and more properties, that becomes a big business in itself. Um, and that's longer term too. So, you know, fix and flip. Once you sell the house, you're done. It's over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in this model, you're building a relationship with a client that hopefully is going to buy more properties and we just keep growing it. So uh, yeah, it was an evolution to that point though. Can you elaborate on the turnkey for us? Cause I have to apologize. I'm not in the real estate world as much as I'd like to be. Okay. And are they, people are buying these properties to rent out to other people? Exactly. So these are investors from anywhere in the country and I have, Plenty of people that are, have bought or uh, are buying their first rental property with us. And then I have other people that own 60, 70, 80 properties, not just with us, but you know, in other parts of the country too. Um, so they're buying the property with the total intention of it being a rental and an investment long-term. Um, and when they're buying it from us, we've already completed all the renovation work. So they don't have to go figure out how to buy a house. They don't have to go figure out how to rehab a house. It's just pay for it and then start collecting rent. And we, we collect the rent for them. They don't have to collect the rent themselves. All um, right. So that's turnkey. It's hands off. Everything, it's, a, it's a full service package. Here you go. Here's properties A, B, and C. Which one do you like? Okay, great. Property B, we start the, you know, the purchase process. 30 days later, they own the house. And now we're managing it for them. All right. I guess the confusion on my end, I apologize for this, was who's no, that's okay. Is it the renter? <laughs> so this is pretty interesting because now I'm thinking if I'm an investor, I give you guys a call and I'm like, hey, I want to get into this real estate game. Uh, I have X number of dollars to spend. I want to be in the Maryland market, whatever. And you guys yeah. say, hey, we have these properties. They're expected to bring in these rents, whatever. Yeah. I imagine the investors then never actually or potentially never set foot in the properties that they own. Is that safe to say? Yeah, the majority do not. Um, not everybody. We have some people who come visit, but depending okay. where you are, like we just had a, a client come up from DC. Obviously, that's easy. It's a nice 45 minute drive. Yeah, right. Um, but when I'm talking to somebody on the West Coast, it's not as simple as just hopping in the car. So, um, but we, we do a lot of things. We can FaceTime them from the property. We certainly can forward them through if they want to come over and visit. Um, we provide professional photos of every house. Um, so they're, they're going to get a really good look at it. They're going to, they're going to know what it is, uh, even if they never physically step foot in it. It is amazing how many people that I interview in, on the investment side, real estate side that are making transactions and deals that never saw their property, whatever they're purchasing in person. Yeah. Which yeah. on the one side, I'm like, that's pretty cool. On the other side, I'm thinking that's a lot of money. 
for something I've never seen. But then I think yeah. uh, there's employees that I have that I've never seen in person. I've seen them over Zoom, but that's valid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. I guess business can happen really as well. Talk yeah. to me about if I'm an investor, why am I looking at properties that you guys have in Maryland versus anywhere else in the world? Sure. So it's really three things I would say. First and foremost is cash flow. Most of our investors want cash flow every month. Um, and on our properties, this can be, depending on how you finance, if you're assuming you're doing 25% down financing, and of course, obviously, depending on the rate and good credit, all that fun stuff. But they can cash flow five to $600 a month after all the hard expense, often management fee, property taxes, insurance, mortgage payment, et cetera. Right off the bat. Um, right. So that's the pro- that is the number one reason people say, I want to buy a house from you. C- followed right. closely by uh, the renovation work that we do. I've gotten that feedback a lot. People that own properties with us are very pleased with how little maintenance there is. Um, I always hear horror stories. Yeah, I bought a house here and I had to put a roof on it a year later. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, the HVAC went up. And it's like, I mean, I haven't made any money. Like all my money is going to, you know, capital expenditures, which so that's a huge reason as well. Um, the third reason I would say is if you're looking for an appreciation play, I'm, we're not your market. It's Florida or maybe Texas or somewhere else. Um, however, unlike some other cash flow markets of the country, our market does have modest appreciation. So in the normal times, ignoring the COVID years and the last few years, <laughs> in the normal times, it's five to seven percent. So it's it's decent. It's not killer, you know, it's not 25% like you know, Tampa or whatever, but um, it is decent. It's not a linear market. So you really do hit, you know, in three positive ways to the investment. Um, and that's primarily why people are choosing to to operate with us. And then, I mean, I like to think that uh, the, my team does a really good job and that's probably part of it too. Uh, we have a ton of repeat customers. So I think that, you know, that does speak to that we're far from perfect, but we, we really try to do a good job for everybody. Yeah, that's fair. Well, five to 7% appreciation in my world, that's sustainable more or less. Right. 25%. I don't see how that's sustainable. It's you're really rolling the dice there. <laughs> it's taking chances. Yeah. I guess if that's your, if that's your game plan on any right. form of long-term. Thing. Right. It's so yeah. interesting. The, I was thinking eight years ago, I was just trying to think of what you lived through as far as bad times. Right. Cause that's post 2008 and all that fun times. Right. Well, that's pre COVID and those, I guess, right before COVID, things are going crazy in the real estate world. During COVID, what we thought was crazy before is even crazier. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And now I think it, I guess you'll have to tell me what it is now. I feel like some of the market's settling down, but prices aren't exactly settling down. So it's kind of a weird, something's got to give eventually, but I'm not sure what it'll be. A hundred percent. It's such a weird thing. And yeah, I, so I, of course, I was in college in the 2008 crisis. All right. Uh, so you got par- to study it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. My partner worked through it in real estate and, and grew, you know, through that time. Um, so I did gain a fair amount of knowledge speaking to him over the years about those times. Um, and then, like you said, I think in 
probably 2016, the market got a little soft, nothing bad. Mm -hmm. um, and then COVID happened, which we were like, we don't even know if we're going to be allowed to operate. Like that was a scary couple of weeks when everything was like shut down, shut down, shut down. Uh, we just didn't know what to expect. But then obviously it turned the corner pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, now this world we're in where the interest rates have doubled or more mm -hmm. from where they were. Um, but there's still no inventory and the prices are still high and sales volume is down across the board. It's like bizarre. And like, to your point, what is something should give here eventually? I don't know what it is. Are rates going to come down? Are prices going to come down? But they have, it's just bizarre. Um, but I think the market did normalize in January, at least at our, from what I can see on our local level. And then what I've heard from other investors I know in different parts of the country, uh, quarter four was really slow across the board. In January, mm -hmm. it seems to no have normalized. People are kind of settling in like this is the new normal. Um, so that's that's my feeling anyway. The I don't know what you've, heard in, what you've feel. Yeah, I haven't heard new normal in a year. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> don't say pivot. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me about uh, the competition you have with apartment complexes. So I don't know what life is like where you guys are at, but here... I'm just outside of Madison, Wisconsin. Every town, regardless, I want to say to a point of size, maybe if there's sub 2,000 people or something like that, there's apartment buildings going up everywhere. And not just tiny yeah. stuff, like huge stuff. Isn't that so crazy? It's, yeah, that... It's surreal. That definitely, yeah, that's here too. Okay. Um, what's interesting though is at, at our local level, those apartment buildings almost exclusively class a and expensive okay um so we have always focused on b class i'll say b class tenants b class neighborhoods um so we're really not competing because for the rent that somebody's going to pay for our three-bedroom townhome let's say eighteen hundred dollars that gets them like a studio apartment in the luxury buildings Gotcha. So we're in a right. slightly different sub market. There are some affordable, uh, you know, apartment buildings around, but not very many. And a lot of our tenants are families have a one or two kids and they prefer to be in a single family as opposed to, uh, you know, an apartment building. So it hasn't really hit us, but that market is crazy. There's so many buildings and they're still building them. Yeah. Uh, it's like it has to be saturated, right? Like it doesn't it's, even make sense. <laughs> I keep thinking, I'll see, like we have, uh, I would say easily, I don't even know how to put a number on that, thousands of apartments going up. Wow. And my thought is, where are these people living now? Right. Like, is there a glut of some part of the country where they're all moving into our neck of the woods? <laughs> or I don't know. Right. I don't, are people popping out yeah. cats left and right? I don't know where <laughs> people are coming from because like you always see apartment buildings going up a few here and there. Right. But this is right. Oh my gosh. If there's a chunk of grass, that's at least 10 feet square. They're throwing up apartment <laughs> buildings. It's bizarre. So it I didn't is. know if that was just our neck of the woods or if that's countrywide, I get the impression that it's countrywide. So it seems to me. Yeah. I mean, went down to Charleston for a wedding recently and noticed the same thing there. There's all these, fancy shiny new apartment buildings and the yeah. uber drivers complaining about it <laughs> so yeah it's very very relatable all right interesting yeah so the 
the places that you have, you find an investor, investor throws some, I guess, do you guys deal with financing or is that on the investor to do yeah. that? Uh, we have uh, preferred lenders that we'll refer people to. Um, probably about 85 to 90% of our investors will use financing, okay. uh, which is honestly what I would recommend to people. You might as well you know, put other people's money to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say you had $200,000 laying around, you could buy one house for 200,000 or you could buy four with financing. I think that diversification makes total sense. Sure. Um, so yeah, most people use conventional financing either 20 or 25% down um, until they run out of conventional loan slots. And then we have a couple of DSCR lenders that we can refer people to as well. Tell me what that is. Okay, so DSCR lending, the conventional loans are governed by Fannie Mae and their rules. Uh, so Fannie Mae says that one individual cannot have more than 10 conventional loans. So okay. if you already have 10 rental properties with loans and maybe your primary residence or whatever, you no longer can qualify for more. Now, if you have a spouse who also has income, there's potential that they could qualify for additional. But at the most, you're going to get 20, assuming that you have enough income to support that. All right. Um, so after that, you have to go with non-conventional financing, which is commonly called DSCR, um, which is totally different. It's based on credit, and then it's based on the um, the numbers of the property. So it has to basically it has to cash flow a certain amount with the expenses calculated in. So as long as it does that, and somebody has great credit, they'll get DSCR loans, and there's no cap. You can get 200 of them. There's no limit to it. Oh, interesting. So that must stand for something, an acronym. It uh, Debt service coverage ratio. Debt service coverage ratio. Okay. All right. Easy enough. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So I get my loan, whatever. I come to you guys. I say, hey, let's buy some property. After I get that property, you guys manage it for me, which means you're finding tenants. And if something yep. breaks... You guys are the ones that the the tenant calls instead of me in California or wherever. Exactly. Exactly. And we have a full service maintenance team. All right. So just walk me through that green guy here. Doesn't know much about real estate. (laughs) I buy a property. You guys manage it. Just walk me through. What can I expect? What should you expect of me? And how does money change hands? All that jazz. Yeah. So when you buy a house, we'll address all this before you actually, you know, sign the papers and make sure you understand the process. But um, the really long story short is as you're closing on the property, you'll have an onboarding call with our property management team and they're going to walk them through everything. Here's the agreement we're going to sign. Here's the utility uh, company. You need to create an account with them so that electric will switch to your name in between tenants. Um, We'll make sure that we have like their property insurance on file, their driver's license on file, things like that. Like just all the little paperwork things that we need. Um, and after that, it's pretty hands off in that we'll market the property, we'll take the leads, we'll find a qualified applicant. We will sign the lease. The owner doesn't have to sign the lease. Like the property manager can sign the lease. Um, we're gonna do everything. It's, it's completely hands off. So then, Hey, James, uh, great news. We have a tenant moving in tomorrow. Um, you know, you'll get paid your rent on the next disbursement date, which is the 20th of every month. We'll disperse the rent to you. Um, you can view everything in your owner's portal. 
We use Appfolio now, a software. You know, you log into your account, you can see all your properties, all your ledgers, all your documents are there. Um, and then that's pretty much it. We'll be in touch if there's a problem. We'll be in touch um, three or four months before the renewal time, so we can discuss if you want to renew the tenant. Um, and then that's you know that's pretty much it. So people have random questions or need a tax document and things like that. You know, our team members will will help them get that. Gotcha. So if yeah. I get this property, you guys are property managing it. Let's just say furnace goes out, right? It's cold day in Baltimore and the furnace goes out. Tenant reaches out to you. Yep. And then you have people on staff that will fix or replace that furnace or is that outsourced to some HVAC companies? Um, so we, we would dispatch first to try to fix it and figure out if it's a simple fix, like somebody accidentally flipped the switch on the furnace and turned it sure. off, <laughs> um, which happens all the time. Um, oh, that's funny. So let's say it's not that though. It's like the whole system blew up and now we need a new furnace. Um, we would use our HVAC subcontractor for that. Um, we have two guys we've been working with for a really long time. They do all of our HVAC work. Um, so we would call in the specialist for that if it was like, you know, a system replacement. But yeah. if it's a simple fix or just needs a new filter or the coil needs cleaned, our technicians can do that. Gotcha. So in that yep. case, uh, well, I guess either case then, do I get a bill like, hey, you had to put in a new furnace into this unit. Here's a bill for a furnace. Or How does that work? Exactly. So our team would reach out. Uh, hey, James, got some bad news. Your furnace blew up and you need a new one. And it's an emergency because the tenant doesn't have heat. Um, so we've lined up XYZ company. They're going to install it tomorrow. The cost is going to be $3,000. Um, and then depending on you know, what your, your portfolio looks like, if you own four properties with us, we, we probably don't even need you to pay the money. We'll just take it from your next rent draw. Mm. Um, so, but, and we'll always work with people. Like it's not, uh, you know, give me the $3,000 right now or we're not installing your furnace. Like right. we're, re we're reasonable. Gotcha. Um, okay. And it's not meant to be hard. So. Sure. Yep. And then as far as finding tenants, I imagine, do you get paid a percentage or is it a flat rate per month? Uh, we get a percentage of rent each month. Okay. So it's in um, your best interest for tenants to be in that place. Absolutely. Everybody's best interest. Okay. Right. I get fair. that question a lot. Uh, a vacant property is, is bad news for all of us. Um, my team members, so certain team members are bonused based on occupancy. Okay. Um, leasing agents, obviously they get paid when they lease a house and uh, a vacant property means that it's another property that my team has to go check on every single week, make sure everything's oh. okay. The gotcha. heat's still on, you know, there's not a leak everything like that. So we spend a lot of man hours running around checking properties, showing them to prospective tenants. Um, we hate vacant properties. We want everything to be <laughs> occupied for the, for those reasons. So. All right. You know, well, it's interesting. I don't mean to insult me asking that or anything like that. It's just one of those no, no. in the real estate world, the way for the retail transactions, the real estate agent uh, gets paid, I guess on the, the buyer side, they get paid more if the buyer pays more. So right. somewhat of a conflict of interest there. So in real estate, I'm always like, where's the conflict of interest? I gotta, I gotta find yeah. it. So in this case, there's not one. We're all on the same team. 
So <laughs> for the property owner, hundred percent, our interests are very aligned and uh, yeah, well, our percentage, we, if the rent goes up $200, we, we make a little bit more, but you make a lot of it more. All right. um, you know, <laughs> unfortunately for the, the tenant has to pay more, but it's just part of, of renting. So that's the world. Yeah. 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 So here we are. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. So I guess, what have you seen the market do since COVID? I guess, let's say over the past year, I'm trying to think like, when was the day COVID was done? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. When was I that mean, light switch flip? Let's just say past year, because COVID was a crazy time. Before then was crazy-ish time. So yeah, what so did the market do recently? In in 2020, after we got through, you know, I'll say April, it started to just go like this. Like you could just feel it. Things kept heating up, heating up. Rates were stupid cheap, mm -hmm. um, and that continued all the way through 2021. Like mm -hmm. there was no slowdown at all. I mean, it was almost two full years of just nonstop. And, it, but we, we all started to see it, right? Like I, I just sold, I just traded in my truck and it's two years old with 30,000 miles. And I got the same number that I paid for it. Like that oh, doesn't even oh. make sense. What is happening in the world where, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, right. And then you start to notice, holy crap, my, my grocery bills, my utility bills. So inflation buzzword came about, we all felt it and we could see it. I mean, it was pretty easy to see. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll go to 2022 in, I think it was February of 22. Um, we have a monthly town hall. So every month I stand up in front of the company, try not to make a fool of myself. <laughs> and uh, we'll do like some updates on things and where we are in our goals. And I try to bring something to talk about, like the, the you know, teaching moment or, or whatever the case may be. Um, so it was that meeting where I was reading highlights of what the Fed was saying they were going to do. Mm. I'm like, this is a big deal, guys. Like, this is probably going to change the trajectory of the market. I don't really know how to be seen. Um, but February 22, is, the writing is on the wall. The rates are about to go up. Don't know when, don't know how much. Um, so that was the start. Market was still pretty hot probably through April. I would say May and, and afterwards, it kept getting cooler and cooler. Um, now, there was some benefit to it, in, at least in the, at the local level for us, as rates kept going up and up. We saw a lot of investors just back out altogether. So uh -huh. all of a sudden, we had less competition, which was like beautiful. Now, it's picked back up a bit, um, but that was a nice positive that was happening in this time. And I, I noticed the people still buying houses right now, they're all very experienced. Like they, they have other properties already. I see, I see all the, um, not in a derogatory way, but the newbies and people that are maybe not that experienced, they're sitting on the sidelines. They're not doing anything. Uh -huh. Meanwhile, other, the experienced people are getting bigger and stronger in this time. Um, so that, that was interesting to watch. I had a lot of interesting conversations with clients and other investors about, you know, what they were seeing and feeling. Um, so, yeah. And again, I think now in the first couple months of 23, it is slowly ticking up a little bit in terms of activity. Um, but rates have also recently gone up. So who knows? <laughs> All right. Fair. Mortgage rates, I mean, have gone back up in the past month compared to where they were. So, yeah, yeah. very true. You know, it's funny because over the past 
I don't know, 20, 25 years, rates aren't psycho. They aren't what they were no. 40 years ago or something like that. We're, we didn't have $400,000 houses back then because nobody could afford them. Exactly. Interest rates were like 17% or something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me about uh, the transition as an investor. Investors that I know, I guess I still can't wrap my head around this. And I'm hoping you can help me. They buy a property, let's say they buy one unit, duplex, fourplex, maybe an eight unit. They start going well with that. And then they'll sell that to buy something bigger and just kind of graduate yeah. into bigger and bigger properties. Is that yeah. something you typically see? And if you do typically see that, tell me the story of why people don't just keep those properties that they started with and just add on other properties. Um. I would almost say it's two different channels. So the the channel you reference, I would say that's more, that's like the multifamily route. Get a four unit, stabilize it, you know, do some improvements, rent it for more, and you sell it, uh, I don't know, three to seven years down the road. And I think the primary reason people sell them, number one is the profit, but number two is most of the financing terms for those deals are somewhere between a five and 10 year arm. Oh, so the sure. rates are yeah. about to adjust. And it, so that's like, that's kind of the beauty of multifamily is you can always be like repositioning and reselling and growing and doing more. Um, single family is different because you can have fixed rate. You don't have to have a, you know, an arm product. Um, so it's single family. 20, 30 years, 15? 30 years, yeah, 30 years. Even though it's not um, your primary residence? Yes. All right. Yep. Oh, interesting. That's the beauty of it. Because okay. in that 30 year period, let alone 10 years, rents are going to keep going up. Your mm -hmm. principal and interest is the same. Like that's not changing. Now, yeah, taxes and insurance probably go up a little bit, but not as much as the rents go up. Yeah. So in the single family path, you can keep acquiring more and more properties and developing your equity in those early properties that you bought. And you don't just have to make enough money to buy more, you know, from cash out of your pocket. At some point, you can do some refinances, pull some tax-free money out, reinvest it into more properties. So you, you start to see that snowball um, on the single family side. It's hard to get going, but once you're going, there's a definite snowball there that allows you to really continue to do a lot of, uh, build a bigger portfolio, if that's what you want to do, which everyone has a different number. Um, sure. So, gotcha. yeah. so when you say pull out some tax-free money, you're talking about equity in the property. Exactly. You go to the bank exactly. and you say, hey, I need a line of credit or whatever with this property. Yep. Okay. Yep. Got yeah. It. And I have a lot of investors that did that, that, that bought in maybe 2019 or I mean, even most of 2020, um, where in 21, they're like, oh, wait a second. I paid 150 for this. It's now worth 200. I'm going to refinance and pull out like $40,000 of cash. Now I can go buy another house and oh, it didn't cost gotcha. me anything. All right. It, like that's perfect scenario. All right. Um, and I, I had a lot of people do that. It worked really well for them. Nice. Very cool. So tell me if I'm a starter investor for the people that are listening, watching this, and I'm like, Hey, I want to get in the real estate game. What is the lowest hanging fruit for a newbie investor to get involved in? Is it single unit? Is it getting into a 
a REIT or some kind of real estate investment trust or something like that? Or what would you recommend for a newbie? Um, I would say a couple different things for a newbie. Well, first and foremost, the question is how much capital do you have to work with? Because if you don't have any capital, you got to start but, with that. Okay, that's a great question. Let's just say it's not zero, but let's say it's typical. Um, what would be typical? 35 to 40 year old person, because I imagine at that point, yeah. they've got their residence, maybe not necessarily paid for, but they, they can see when it's going to be paid off, right? There's no mm -hmm. fear of having mm -hmm. issues with that. And they have enough, um, I, I don't even know what a good number is. Let's just, is 40,000 a good number, 50,000? I don't know what a good number is. Yeah, yeah. I'm and, not in the world, so I'm like, they yeah. always get the stuff that's just like, buy property with somebody else's money. I'm like, well, I don't yeah. see a whole lot of people just holding out their hands to give me money to buy in property. So <laughs> I'm sure that's good advice if I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, to that person, my first piece of advice is you got to start to learn. Okay. You cannot just, if you haven't done a lot of homework and have a really good understanding, if you walk out and try to buy a house today, and it, it could go really wrong. You buy the wrong house, it has all kinds of issues, it's not the right area, you over leverage or under leverage. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. You got to really figure out your game plan. So learning from podcasts or mm. um, plenty of books if, if you prefer to read. Um, but podcasts, I think, are great. There's a lot of really good people in the podcast universe that are teaching people how to do real estate. Um, and again, diff there's different avenues. Some people want a turnkey. They, you know, they don't want to buy and renovate. Other guys... They want to be hands-on. Like, I'm going to buy the house myself. I'm going to fix it up myself. That's how I'm going to get the best, you know, bang for my buck, so to speak. Mm. Um, so everyone's different. You got to figure out your game plan, learn as much as you can. And then the second piece I really recommend is finding a mentor, finding somebody oh. who's already in it. And hopefully you don't have to pay them. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. <laughs> I don't charge anybody that, that talks to me, but um a mentor can make all the difference. It made a huge difference for me. Um, and I've seen it make a huge difference for other people too. I think that's how you get going. All right. Very cool. I suppose that's very similar. The whole mentor thing is very similar to what I tell people that are looking to start a business of any kind is find someone that you can chat with because very yeah. that you would reach out to an entrepreneur and they would say, nah, I can't meet with you. I said, either right. they're one of two things, they're not making any money and they're afraid someone will find out. <laughs> or they're making so much money that they just literally don't have the time, which right. from my experience, that's pretty rare. Right. Unless you're Elon totally. Musk or something like that, where you're building rocket ships. <laughs> it's safe to say you're, you're shy of time, but most entrepreneurs, yeah. you got the time. Absolutely. Or at least you should. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Fair. So Alexander, how can people find you? Uh, easiest way is online. Just if you Google CR of Maryland, which should be the first result. Mm -hmm. uh, occasionally, one of my competitors will have a pay-per-click ad at the top. So you search our name and their Skip website that. shows up. That's kind of funny. So don't click the pay-per-click ad. Go to the next result or the Google business page right there. Uh -huh. um, there's a tab on there. They can contact us. They can sign up to learn more. Um, they can also email us directly, call in directly. You know, Any of the above are fine, but that's the easiest way. All right. Very cool. Very cool. I love it. The whole real estate thing. I, I am in it a tiny amount with commercial stuff, the residential yeah. stuff. I see some people, I see, well, a lot of friends are doing very well with it. 
couple that aren't, <laughs> but it's uh, right. most of them. Most of them are doing well. The ones that are not, I think, uh, I could have told them not to do what they did, but <laughs> I think it's safe to say I don't know much about it. So it's very cool. I think needed a good cool. mentor. Yeah, you know that's the name of the game. I'll have him reach out to you. So Alexander, I appreciate you being on the show. This is awesome. Thanks, James. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, this has been Authentic Business Adventures, the business program that brings you the struggle stories and triumphant successes of business owners across the land. We're locally underwritten by the Bank of Sun Prairie. If you're listening or watching this on the web, you could do us a huge favor. There's a thumbs up there. There's a subscribe button over there. But most importantly is that you comment, let us know what's going on in your real estate world as far as investing. And of course, share this with your friends that are interested in real estate investing as well. My name is James Kiedemann and Authentic Business Adventures is brought to you by Calls on Call, offering call answering and receptionist services for service businesses across the country on the web at callsoncall.com. And of course, the Bold Business Book, a book for the entrepreneur and all of us, available wherever fine books are sold. We'd like to thank you, our wonderful listeners, as well as our guest, Alexander Cruz, partner of CR of Maryland. Alexander, can you tell us that website one more time? Yeah, crofmaryland.com. Well, it doesn't get easier than that, right? No, try not. <laughs> Past episodes can be found morning, noon, and night. The podcast link found at drawincustomers.com. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next week. I want you to stay awesome. And if you do nothing else, enjoy your business.